we continue our discussion today with one of Bay Area's most experienced commercial real estate brokers, Ed Del Boccaro. Ed is the Executive Vice President and the San Francisco Bay Area Regional Manager for TRI Commercial. Ed's career spans 40 years in the real estate industry in the San Francisco Bay Area. After starting his career at Grabanellis in 1977, Ed ran his own development company from 1983 to 1992. Ed's background includes brokerage, property development, both residential and commercial, property management, property entitlements, and consulting. Since getting back into full-time brokerage, Ed has been East Bay manager at Collier's, Grubbinellis, and most recently Transwestern, where he built up an office of 40 brokers, property management, and staff. Ed has represented Walnut Creek, San Ramon, Clayton, and Concord in their excess sites. In his career, Ed has leased or sold over 2 million square feet of real estate. A few representative clients include UCSF, UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital, California Bank and Trust, Mechanics Bank, Wells Fargo, and Community Bank. We had a chance to speak with Ed on his view of the industry, how the landscape of commercial real estate is transforming before our eyes, and who will be the winners and losers heading into the next cycle. Hello, Ed. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, where are you? Are you in your office? Yes, I'm actually a semi-essential person. I used to be essential, now semi. I'm staring at 5,000 vacant feet of cubicles and offices in our conference room. Were you... One reason why I'm here is we still get a third of our commissions by snail mail, so I have to make sure when the checks come in that they get deposited. That was going to be my next question. Did you uh, name yourself essential by decree or is it uh, is it official? It's by decree. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, Ed, you're on the front lines of uh, what's been happening in, um, in the industry the last couple of weeks, and um, you've seen a few of these uh, cycles come and go. Um, What's going on in your world? Can you, just before we jump into what's happening in the industry, kind of in your personal sort of sphere, what's what's happening? Well, like everybody else, I, I have three different sphere, four spheres. So, you know, personally, you know, married, my kids are away, so we worry about our kids. One of my daughters works in a senior care, believe it or not, so and she has to suit up every day to take care of the senior care in Livermore. Right. Um, then, um, then you know, we have to stay in place. My wife's a teacher in a grammar school in the San Ramon Valley. They told her to stay home. Um, we're lucky she was able to, she has an existing additional job, which is now semi-full-time of typing for a legal secretary to help pay bills. You know, then how do you get groceries? How do you talk to each other? How do you do social distancing? And meanwhile, then my rest of my life is I'm a managing partner at TRI, and at TRI, I have to wear the hat of how do we help the company as a whole. You know, we have about 135, 40 people in um, five offices, and you know, of which 30 or more are staff. And how do we engage them? How do we make sure cash comes in? How do we help our clients? Um, then there's my personal business. I'm a player coach. So besides worrying about the company and make, paying bills, um, how do I make money in addition to, you know, salary and all that? And sure. Help my clients. Sure, sure. Um, so this is obviously um, in some respect really um, something that hasn't happened before. I mean, it's 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 very extreme in so many ways. Um, 
give us kind of your perspective on um, how you're seeing this play itself out throughout the industry. Yeah, here's where it's the same and here, here where it's radically different. So, you know, we've had major crises in the past, you know, whether it was um, 1992, um, the Great Recession, the 2001 uh, B2B burst, the tech burst, the two, the Great Recession in 2008. In all those cases, though, what, what was similar is that activity stopped, unemployment went up, deals were killed, real estate was affected dramatically. What's different about this one, though, has all those characteristics, but in addition, it's, you can't meet people. So there, and then the second thing that's that is the local governments are shut down in the state, it, and that has dramatic impact on our business because you know we have clients who are expecting use permits to be approved so they can open up their stores sure. or their restaurants. Permits are being stalled. Um, you can't get um, fire department inspections. So in this case um, versus the other ones, it's the social distancing and the the terrible effects of virus and getting sick and containing it that are having a double whammy on us. And how do you how do you see this um, impacting kind of on a macro level what's happening in, and then on a micro level? I mean, you've talked a little bit about some of the specifics in terms of you know city closures, but maybe from just kind of an industry perspective overall um how would how would you well, this, describe it this is a storm and by the metaphor of a storm it will pass also during a storm things keep going on albeit at a slower pace albeit some of it so i am actually in my conference room i can stare out at, at highway 680 going north south and there's still traffic um i can actually see a bar train track on through the other windows. And so things still have to happen. Um, so, you know, just talking about BART, how do you maintain the trains? How do the engineers show up? How do you feed the engineers? How do you put gas in a car? How do you move food? So even though a lot of things are in stasis, there are people just stopping, waiting and see, and that's probably a major characteristic of this event, this storm, is that the, the underlying life has to go on and, and and there are people arising and systems in place to keep that going. Um, so on, that's the macro level. On a on a day to day level, what do we do to keep things going, um, even though parts of us, parts of us, and parts of the economy are paralyzed? And you've dealt throughout the um, commercial real estate industry in many different capacities. You've uh, you I'm sure you have clients that are um, in all sort of sectors of that industry. Um, any anecdotes, uh, things that you're seeing, how this is playing itself out through through the different parts of the industry, whether it's retail, yes. so, office, you know, medical office, and so forth. Yes. Um, so, for instance, restaurants are an obvious thing. So, restaurants as social gatherings and possible contamination areas have been shut down to a great degree. So, on a short-term basis, restaurants are closed. Um, and, and they're laying off people, and that's impacting a good segment of the economy, and it impacts, unfortunately, people in um, lower wage scale, and we have to somehow take care of them. Rest, some restaurants are adapting, you know, whether it's um, donating food, um, giving um, um, to first responders, or whether it's um, whether it's um, doing uh, um, deliveries, um, pickup. Right. Retail that's not essential is being hurt. So again, you just can't go into a store and buy clothes. Um, on the other hand, retail logistics 
are, can't hire enough. So whether it's Safeway, Walmart, Amazon, they all want to hire hundreds of thousands of people to man their warehouses and stock their shelves. So there's actually jobs being created, unintended consequence of the storm. Um, escrows in our business are being canceled or slowed down. Um, you know, but again, some of the counties have risen to the occasion. We have e-recordings, mobile notaries. Um, some of the cities are now adapting and doing um, e-city council meetings, digital city council meetings, public hearings. Um, what's interesting is every day there's a new directive from the feds, the state, the county, or the local city as to what we should do or not do, and then we just have to adjust. How do you see us coming out of this? Um, some people have talked about a V recovery. I've heard of a U recovery. I heard of an L recovery. Um, you know, I think it's very difficult to imagine a V recovery in any scenario at this point, given the high levels of unemployment. But how do you, you know, position it given you know your experience and what you're seeing in the market? I, I see. <laughs> how about a combination of a V, U, and an L? So certain segments will be in a V. So, you know, so let's assume the storm passes by um, June, July, and hopefully we don't have a second wave. That's what's different about this. You know, that didn't happen in the 18 um, influenza where there was a second wave once the fall came. That's right. Um, but the, 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 tech, the tech world will and the logistics world will be V-shaped. Um, and then the um, retail and the big, the big national retailers will have a hard time coming back and they're looking at how they change their model. They will be different. The restaurants, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's estimates that a third to 50% of restaurants will not come back. So we'll have less restaurants than the old fashioned white tablecloth. Um, casual, just in time delivery type concepts. Um, Industrial real estate is in, uh, um, I think, is it will snap back because um, manufacturing will happen. Where where it's going to be lag of, uh, lag effects is traditional middle class jobs that you know office back jobs. I think some companies are going to say, why um, do we need all these people? Our um, business plan has changed. Our customers are different, or we don't even have some of those customers. So I think the office space market could be weak. Um, um, housing, I think, comes back um, pretty fast, faster than people think because of the pent-up demand. Um, where housing gets will have a laggard effect, and this could be the the, uh, the L shape is that um, there's going to be a bottleneck. I predict at all the uh, approval levels that will delay new construction um, happening. Um, and, and, and then, I'm sorry, Ed, do you think even even with this sort of calamity, you feel that the cities will still be pushing back on um, some of those developments for housing? Um, that's a good question. Um, if, we, if we date this as March 1, when the earthquake or the storm hit, everybody's view, worldview of the world in February was, the, you know, the market was intense. We had our best job creation month in years. And therefore, you could account for plenty. And I think now, um, as we go into May, uh, April, May, with this stay in place, people losing jobs, 30% unemployment, people living paycheck to paycheck or not getting a paycheck. Um, I think that's going to sober us and change us the ways psychologically, sociologically, the Great Depression did. Um, 
and this has been happening, you know, throughout history, is when when you're times of plenty, you take things for granted. So I think some of our attitudes towards housing will change. Um, you know, for instance, sports. I mean, who's going to go to a stadium even in July and sit next to 30,000 people? Um, new housing, by the way, will be considered clean. And how do then? But, but with NIMBYism, if that was the gist of your question, um, people are going to be against. I've heard two conflicting theories. People are going to be against density housing because it's density housing where you have dense people together. Right. But again, you're not in the middle of, in the Bay Area. We're not in the middle of a farm. There's no way you put nine million people in, you know, single story buildings. Right. Right. On the office side. Do you think, um, or have you already seen? I saw are some companies reconsidering. You know how much, how many people they're putting into an office? Are they reconsidering kind of, uh, you know, being in dense neighborhoods? Do Do you see maybe a potential desire to be back in the suburban product in the future, and perhaps um, you know instead of an average of I don't know seventy five to hundred square feet per employee going back to maybe 400 or 200 or 250. Um, do, do you think those trends might emerge? Good questions. I'm not sure I have the answer. I see maybe both in the beginning. So I think um, a certain segment will now be empowered to work from a distance or at home or virtually. Right. So that will mean absolutely less space. On the other hand, um, the whole reason why Silicon Valley and equivalent uh, clusters work is you need to run into people to share ideas. So there was there was there was a beginning backlash in end of 19 for too much not being in the office because the creativity was less, the socialization and, and accountability was less. On the other hand, um, the storm has forced us to how do we digitally keep track of our employees and engage them. Um, so I think it's going to be a, two different trends. I think there'll be some people staying at home that will impact, I think, more of the, uh, uh, the back office uses. Um, yeah. You'll see more of that shrink. On the other hand, tech needs to cluster, tech needs to exchange. Um, there's only so much you can do on a Zoom meeting. That's true. That is that is true. Um, so let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your company tri commercial so um uh, sometimes um, when things like this happen this is also an opportunity for innovation it's also an opportunity to you know look at uh, maybe some of the processes and how you do things and have an opportunity to change them how has your company how have you and uh, the people that work for you adapted or are starting to adapt more appropriately Good question. We had a two-hour managing partner meeting, six of us for the whole company, from Sacramento to San Francisco to Walnut Creek, Oakland, um, meet you know this morning, and we that that came up. So here's what we're doing, um, and you know the first thing is how do we make sure the company survives, maintains. And then second, how do we take advantage? How do we grow? So for this surviving, maintaining. How do we make sure processes are, are followed now that they have to be digital? You know, something as simple as getting paid. Um, how do we prevent hacking? Uh, we had already begun the movement to pull our stuff on the cloud. That's now been accelerated. So we're going to become a technological um, proficient company by May 15th, um, where we're, almost everything is digital. 
Right. And, you know, that brings up additional cybersecurity issues, which we're also um, working on right now. Um, but on the other hand, our business, um, real estate is one of the more primitive businesses. And so it's, you still have to meet people. You still have to negotiate various things. So our company during the short term is how do we, we, we plan on keeping our staff, unlike some of the national um, Wall Street firms that have, have laid off people in the last few days. Um, you know, Wall Street has a different uh, goal. It's returns, returns, returns. We're a 40-year-old company with a legacy of, of keeping our people and helping our people. So how do we do that, survive, and, how do we do that and prosper? So we are engaged. All our staff are really engaged. So they are, we are in, um, they are helping the brokers do research, um, collect information, um, and get um, opinions of value proposals out there and renewing listings. Our brokers are engaged. Um, and we do that with town halls. We have classes every other day on how to use social media, how to use the new tools of Microsoft. Um, and then we, with our, the, our, again, our main thing is how do we help our clients? So I personally and several members of our company are helping um, various landlords and then separately tenants negotiate interim rent abatement, deferment of rent, and things of that nature. So our company is trying to, first goal, what do we do to survive? And then not only survive, what do we do to take advantage of the future? And there will be a, um, after the storm clears, there's going to be people need to relook at how they fund their projects, who sells, who keeps them, et cetera. Sure. Uh, are you anticipating additional services or new services that TRI and companies that are in your space will be offering as well as a result of this? Yes. So, uh, um, Property management is a prime area that we will expand into. We have over four and a half million feet in the Sacramento Roseville area, none in the Bay Area. So it will be part of our goal to property to expand our property management services. It will be part of our goals to go into service lines like project, I mean, construction management for tenant improvements. We're really going into advisory brokerage services where we do a lot of consulting for a fee per hour. Um, helping banks do opinions of value, helping clients assess what they should do. So, for instance, some companies are looking at buying their stores, taking advantage of this market. So how right. do they value it? Right. Um, so we're doing a lot of advisory brokerage. So the answer is yes. Great. Great. Um, how do you then motivate your people? I, I imagine, um, you know, a lot of them are motivated by money, obviously, but this is going to be a different world for a little while. Um uh, tell us maybe maybe there are some anecdotes that you can share. You know how you as a leader have uh, focused your efforts on making sure that you know the troops are kind of um, focused on where they well, need to be focused. That's a good question, and it is a big concern. Um, and then secondarily, I can talk about how we make sure our clients are motivated. And yeah, of course. Uh, um, everybody during a crisis, there's some tendency to shut down. There's some tendency to wait some tendency to say it's above my pay grade. Um, and I think I, I went over this before. I sort of divide people um, not on a good or evil basis, but on a ABC basis. So 20% of people are active doers. And so they rise to the occasion. How do you co-inspire them? How do they co-inspire you? How do you give them the freedom to be nimble and come up with innovative change? And we have those in our industry and in our company. <laughs> then roughly 50% very good people, very good workers, but they need direction. So we go out of our way to engage 
a lot of our people and and there was a lot of tasks. We have a lot of metrics that we're measuring um, in terms of activity. So it's actually easier than we thought to monitor people at home. And we're not doing big brother surveillance. Um, we're doing simple reporting. What projects are you working on? Um, deadlines. And then we're actually engaging our staff in addition to me and other senior officers, our staff are calling each broker, asking them, how do you, where is this project? How do I help you on this? How do I extend your um, transaction? So the staff are very engaged in our company. Um, so that, so not only do we not want to lay them off, we're empowering them. And then on the, um, the, um, the broker basis, again, same thing. How do we, what are behaviors you can do today to get ready for when the storm passes? So we're, um, we're, we're, each broker is reaching out to hundreds of clients, hundreds of clients they've done deals in the past 10 years. How you doing? Is there any way I can help you? Here's information on how to do, navigate the SBA world. Here's information how to navigate the essential industry. Um, how do we spread common knowledge um, without being a pest? Um, and then there's the C level. The C's become more apparent during crisis. That's about 10, 20, 15%. And depending upon what kind of a culture you have or your company, you got to make sure that they don't cause a morale problem right. um, by right. getting in the way. So uh, we have town halls by Zoom and, um, uh, and we're getting 80% attendant rates, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. And we have participation. We, we exchange news. We then exchange um, good news. Who got a new deal? Who got a new client? Who came up with an innovative way? The staff, um, where we're, we're lucky is we have very good staff. So the staff are partners. Um, so they suggest things. Brokers listen to them. And then um, do the same thing with the client. So we, are, we have a very proactive, um, engage the client. What are you doing? What are you suggesting? How do we help you? Um, and, you know, in some cases, we're charging no fees, minor fees. In my case, I'm charging sometimes a bottle of scotch. Um, right. And, 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 and then the clients do want to be talked to. They don't want to know that we're sitting down paralyzed. So, right. Great. So several problems. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, sorry if I interrupted you there. Um, what, I, what I also wanted to say, say is uh, I think it's obvious from kind of where the unemployment is originating and how certain parts of the industry are, are being affected. You know, maybe what are some of the losers in, um, in the maybe immediate and mid to long term uh, stage? Um, in, in your observation, Ed, who are going to be the winners um, coming out of this? And, you know, maybe maybe there are certain ones that you want to highlight more than others. Okay, there's going to be there's there's definitely going to be winners, um, like in any crisis, um, certain things are going to be um, um, rise out of the fires and then they'll be tested. So what I call just in time manufacturing, where you or contract manufacturing, where you have the ability to switch between product lines. So think about it. We have um, companies in the Silicon Valley and the East Bay that are that can switch from manufacturing one product to all of a sudden the the parts of a ventilator. So you're going to see more what I call flexible manufacturing where the same company can go back and forth with several product types. Right. We're going to right. see um, that what tech and manufacturing have learned is that they can't put all their eggs in East Asia. So even when East Asia comes back and, be, and becomes a, a viable market again, 
Prudence is going to say 30% of your manufacturing and logistics has to be in North America. So thank goodness we have the North America Trade Treaty finalized. So you're going to see, I predict, northern Mexico and Canada um, integrate with the United States for logistics and manufacturing and all kinds of things on energy, provision, warehousing. Um, and you know, our market is big enough. Um, you're talking almost 450 million people between the three companies alone, countries alone. So you're going to see just uh, some offshoring come back um, because of that. Anything to do with just-in-time logistics. Um, Amazon has set the pace, and Walmart and Target are keeping up. Um, Same-day delivery, um, protected delivery. Um, and then how do you pay your people to do it? Uh, you're going to see more automation as a result of this. You're going to see more digital out of this. Um, if you have um, a paper-pushing job, so some of the fire tenants, insurance, banking, uh, et cetera, are going to see that they have to deal with the world differently. They could be a minor loser in this. Um, they're um, they're going to have to come up with um, more proficient, faster um, um, processing. The real industry that has to um, change is government. Um, you know, as slow as uh, some of the uh, back office companies are, um, the processes in a government shut down during this crisis, you know, so you can make jokes about DMV and some of the other sectors. They're going to have to become a more digital world and faster streamlined processing. Right. Um, so, so companies that deal in that world and in artificial intelligence, how do you push process, um, streamline process, make proper decisions? Those will prosper. Restaurants will be different. Food provision will be different. And there's other winners. Yeah. Yeah. No, it will be. It will definitely be a different world. Um, Ed, if you might, don't mind me asking you, um, how many cycles have you gone through? I'm, I'm a very young old person. <laughs> um, the joke here is I have more energy than some of We've hired a lot of young people, by the way. Our real estate industry is missing uh, two generations as a whole. Yeah. Um, so we're, you know, at 32, you're over the hill if you work for a software company. In uh, real estate, if, if you're a man or a woman at 40, five you're a young person um so um i my first cycle was what 82 then the second one was 86 and they changed the tax laws then 92 that was a killer year um, i was a developer i got crushed in 92 then 2001 and then um 2008 to 10 and then this one what each one teaches you by the way is that there is a workaround um if you if you start thinking of bad cycles or downturns as normal, it's a fire. So you just don't get scared. You do something to prevent the fire. If you become very sophisticated, you anticipate the next fire. And then what lessons do you learn? So um, in this case, I think having experience with those cycles, knowing that life goes on, but differently, how do you, how do you anticipate and how do you uh, take advantage? Right. And for my final question, Ed, um, any personal sort of message or anecdote or anything you could share uh, during this time? Yes. So um, I'm communicating a lot with my clients through direct emails, texting and whatever. Some I haven't talked to in two years, some six months. And some of the common words I'm hearing is we are fighting. So that's the new mantra. Fight, fight, get through the storm. Second anecdote is... Um, Engage, engage. Um, I think the wrong lesson is to, uh, we, I don't want to make a lot of noise, just, just wait and see. 
people want to be talked to. Um, my wife and I now have three social cocktail hours a week. I think we're going to go to four. And, you know, talking about recipes, how you're kidding, how, how does it work to have everybody at home? Um, how do you prevent divorce? Those kinds of things. Um, but on the business level, um, engage, reach out, and learn. So um, it's amazing what you can learn by talking to your clients. And then, um, again, the ABC theory of clients. Some of them have amazing ideas, so they teach you. Then you can communicate that to others. So engage, engage, engage. Fight, fight, fight. Great. Uh, Ed, thank you very much for your time. This was very insightful, and I appreciate you uh, sharing your uh, thoughts with us. Thank you. I like doing what I do. Thank you. Thank you.